Hey guys, good morning. Um, man, this is such a privilege. For me, I mean, not for you to hear me, but it's a privilege for me. It's a privilege for all of us. All right. Uh, so uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Jacques, and I'm the, the worship ministry leader here at Thrive Church. And um, uh, today, we're going to be uh, doing a really, really deep dive into Scripture. All right, so be ready. We're going to be going in in through the book of Revelations. We're going to talk about the rapture, the tribulation, the end times. Just kidding. I'm talking about worship. All right. (laughs) All right. This is the one time I get to talk. I'm going to talk about worship. (laughs) But worship is a pretty vast subject in itself, right? Revelation gets all the credit, right? But worship is actually a very vast subject. If you ask 10 different people, to explain what worship is, you're probably going to get 10 different answers, right? And they're, they're probably going to all describe worship. That's how vast it is. Um, a lot of people will describe singing. They'll describe music. They'll describe the worship that happens in our church, right? And, um, and, and maybe describe different aspects of worship, but not the whole thing, right? Um, the woman at the well, everyone knows that story. The woman at the well, Jesus talked to her. She had questions about worship, and she was a little confused about worship, right? She said they were from two different um, cultures, right? She was a Samaritan. Jesus was a Jew, and, and she said, our fathers say that we need to worship on this mountain, and your, your people say that we have to go down to Jerusalem in the temple to worship, and which one counts, right? Which one is right? And she was mistaken in that she was putting worship at a certain place, at a certain time, and in a certain way, right? Like, we worship here, Thrive Church, 10.30 a.m. on Sunday, right? Actually, 10.25. Let's just make it 10.25, right? Just to be safe, right? 10.25, we worship here at Thrive Church, right? But she was putting worship at a certain time, certain place. And Jesus said to her, a time is coming when we're not going to worship on this place or this place. But a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For these are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks, right? I personally like to describe worship as being like a cake. Like a cake. Lynn, I didn't get an amen on that one. I was expecting one. No. <laughs> it's not just one. A cake isn't just one thing. It's many ingredients that go in to making a cake, right? And worship is not just one thing. It has lots of ingredients. And, um, you know, like a cake, you ever had a cake with no sugar or sweetener of any kind whatsoever in it? That would be a pretty sad tasting cake, right? Right, or imagine like, imagine a bready, you know, looking cake with no frosting, no decorations whatsoever, right? Just a bready looking cake. And you try to give that to a bride on her wedding day, right? What, what would happen? <laughs> you get fired, <laughs> right? She'd probably say, that's not what I asked for. Even though you said, hey, here's the cake. Here's the cake. I'm delivering it. She'd probably say, that's not what I asked for. And that's not what I paid such a high price for, Right? Okay, getting a little too deep on the intro. I'm going to back, dial it back just a bit. So the title of my message is 
Worship is a piece of cake. <laughs> and I'm going to share with you the perfect recipe for worship. All right? Ever heard of, ever, ever heard of uh, Ace of Cakes, Cupcake Wars, Cake Boss? Morons. This recipe beats them all, okay? <laughs> any, any Princess Bride? Any Princess Bride fans in the house? Okay, I'm not in the habit of calling people morons. That was actually from the movie, okay? If you haven't seen it, we'll watch it in my house later. All right. That was actually a compliment if you think about it. <laughs> all right. The first ingredient for worship, and we need a whole cup of it, right, is salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So before Jesus, before we knew Jesus, we did not have unrestricted access to the Father, right? Right? He's our gateway, and he tore the veil once and for all, right? Um, in salvation, if you think about it, salvation and worship, they go hand in hand. Worship is forever. Salvation is forever. Right? Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, way back in the Old Testament, he caught a glimpse of heaven. He, got, he actually got to see the throne room of heaven. He got a vision. What did he see? He saw the angels, and they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Right? Fast forward hundreds and hundreds of years, the writer of Revelation, which we're not going to be going through today, right? John he saw a vision of heaven as well, right? And he caught a glimpse of the worship that was happening in the throne room of heaven. What did he see? He saw the angels saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And that was even concerning times yet to come. And so the worship is forever, forever, okay? <laughs> let's, there's going to be a prize at the end for who can do the most, uh, who can call out the most quotes for movies. All right. Once we're saved, we have instant access into that forever, unending, never-ending praise that's always happening in the heavenlies. Amen? We have instant access. And it, it's like, I like to describe it, it's like a river, Imagine if you had a river going through your property, right? Whether you're aware of it or not, whether you're sleeping or whether you're awake, that river goes on constant. It just keeps going. You can get up any time you want and take a refreshing dip in the river. And whether you're asleep or awake or aware of it, it goes on constant regardless, right? Once saved through the blood of Jesus, we have instant access to worship God for the rest of eternity, which includes right now. <laughs> I can put down the mic and we can just start singing and join in with the angels and the saints around his throne, right? All right, so we got a cup of salvation. The next ingredient, we need a couple of tablespoons of sacrifice. Mmm, my favorite. <laughs> this is recipes coming together. What's a sacrifice? When, when something's a sacrifice, it dies, or it's given up completely, or something that was once there is no longer there, right? Hebrews 9.22 says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, right? And in the Old Testament, think about worship in the Old Testament, it was basically, it, all it was was sacrifice, Right? They, when they came to the temple, they brought an animal, a lamb or two doves or whatever the law required. 
to satisfy the law, but it could only atone for sin. Right? It could only, it could only like try to make an attempt to pay it back, kind of like a cussing jar, right? You say you mess up, you say a bad word, you put a dollar in the jar, it's supposed to teach you not to do it again. Right? But it can't wipe away the sin. It can't blot it out like it never happened. Right? In the new covenant, Jesus is the final once and for all blood sacrifice, right? Yeah, thank you. But it's still one of our ingredients. So that doesn't mean that there's no further need for a sacrifice, right? No further need for a blood sacrifice, but there's still a need for a sacrifice. Romans 12.1 says we must be living sacrifices, right? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. And notice there's a, there's a condition there. What's the condition? That you be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If you ever need a definition, someone asks you what worship is, you give them Romans 12. 1. This is your true and proper worship. But there, there's, there's a, like I said, there's a condition. It must be holy and pleasing, Right? If all it took was a sacrifice, well, I've been sacrificing liver and onions for like 20 years, right? I'm a living sacrifice, right? (laughs) Or like Pastor Barry says, he's walking in victory when it comes to not eating bats, right? Like it says in the Old Testament, right? Well, pray for me this week. I'm giving up my BLTs, right? (laughs) My bat lettuce and tomato where the bat is nice and lean, right? (laughs) It's a sacrifice. Um. It must be pleasing to God. So how do we know what's pleasing to God? How do we know our sacrifice is pleasing? I'm going to read Proverbs 15, 8. It says, The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. Psalm 51, 16 says, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. So how do we know if it's pleasing? It looks like he's looking at the offerer, not the offering, right? I'll give an example of this. Cain and Abel. Everyone knows the story, right? <laughs> they, brought, they both brought an offering. One was accepted, one was rejected, right? And Cain, I mean, uh, yeah, Cain and Abel, Abel brought the smoked ribs and the filet mignon and the New York strip and the carne asada, if they had that back then, right? He brought that, right? And what did Cain bring? The veggie platter, right? You all know it. It's the one that's been sitting on the table for like four hours. The ranch dip in the middle is getting warm and yellow. You know that one. The vegetables are kind of wilted, right? I don't blame God for taking the meat. <laughs> I'm with him on that one, right? But, but, God said, but, but God said afterwards, you know, Cain was upset, and God said, why the long face, right? Why are you angry, right? And, and so, some people, I, I've heard it taught, and it is, in, it is in the scripture, right, that Abel brought the first, the first of the first fruits, right, and, of the flock, and, and the best, the choice, and it says in the scripture that Cain brought some of his crop, 
right? So I've heard it, I've heard it taught that, well, that's the reason one was accepted and, and that's the other. And that, is, that could be part of it, and it's in the scripture. But God said to him, why are you upset? If you do what is right, you will be accepted too. He explains it to him. He says, don't, don't you know if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Notice he didn't say, will your vegetables be accepted? He said, will you be accepted? And then what's the next thing he said to him? Sin is crouching at your door, and you must learn to master it. He knew that sin was in his heart, had nothing to do with the vegetables or the meat. Actually, it could have been reversed. Cain could have brought the meat and brought this extravagant-looking meal and said, here, God, right, in, in the midst of his sin, right? And, and Abel could have, could have brought the veggie platter, and he still would have accepted the one the offerer, not the offering, right? Another, an, an, another example of that is uh, David buying the, the threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite. Okay, so, so what happened was uh, Israel was in trouble. It was David's fault. Uh, God told David, go to this place where I'm going to show you, build me an altar and make a sacrifice, Right, So he shows up to the place, and it's owned by a guy named Arona, the Jebusite. And so David says, I got to build an altar here. How much? How much for the whole place? I'll buy the whole property. And a threshing floor was a place where they, you know, threshed wheat, and they separated. So it's kind of like he showed up, and there was a farm there or a barn, you know. So, so he said, how much for the whole property? And, of course, Arona says, wait a second, you're the king. <laughs> uh, it's on the house, right? Here's the, here, here's the stuff to build the altar. Here's everything you need. Here's everything to build the fire. Here's the animals for the sacrifice. And David said, no, I refuse. I'm going to pay full price because I refuse to sacrifice something to God that didn't cost me anything. And that's a question that I've learned to ask myself. What is my worship costing me? I want, I want my worship to cost more than singing a few songs on Sunday. My worship should be costing me the way I speak to people, the way I treat people, the way I run my home, the things that I allow to entertain myself, the things that I laugh at, the thoughts that I have in my head, because the Bible gives us authority to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, he hasn't, he hasn't not given us the tools we need. And so I've learned to ask myself, what is my worship costing me? Because I want to be a living sacrifice. Ever wonder why, ever wonder why God wants a sacrifice in the first place? Okay, very, I, thought, I think about that a lot. Like, why did you you know, have them bring animals and, and things like that. And today, you know, he asked us for ties. And, you know, because he doesn't need to put more meat in his freezer garage, right? <laughs> right? His freezer in the garage, right, is not running low, right? And in fact, in the Psalms, it's in Psalm 50, it's not up here, but in Psalm 50, he says, even if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you because I own the cattle on a thousand hill anyway. I don't need the meat, Right? And I don't ask for tithes because I'm short on cash, right? <laughs> right? One of the reasons why he asks for a sacrifice is because he wants our obedience. And that brings us to our third, uh, third ingredient for our perfect worship recipe. 
is uh, we need a couple of cups of obedience. <laughs> 1 Samuel 15.22 says, To obey is better than sacrifice. It's even better. To heed is better than the fat of rams. Right? And, and uh, uh, John 14.23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Right? So I, 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 believe, I believe that obedience is better than sacrifice. It's the highest form of sacrifice. And there's a reason. It's because when we obey, we have fellowship with God. The fruit of obedience is fellowship with God. He comes and he makes his home with us. And uh, one, of the, one of the greatest examples of obedience in the, in the word is uh, Abraham and Isaac, right? Um, if you recall the, 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 the steps of Abraham, he, he, he calls him, he tells him, go sacrifice your one and only son that you love. And, and the word says, it's such a short story that we miss, we, we miss a lot. The word says that on the third day, the place came into view in the distance, that means he had to pack up. It was a trek. He had to go on a trip. He had to pack the donkey and bring the servants, and they had to camp out for three days in order to get there. And on the third day, oh, I think that's it way over there. <laughs> it came into the distance, right? And I don't know about you, but my kids are in the car for 30 minutes, and they're asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> right? So he has his young son, Isaac, right, for three days on this journey, and, you know, I'm sure he was asking, where are we going? What are we doing? Why are we going there? Why do we bring this stuff, right? Even up until the end, he said, well, I see the fire and I see this, but where's the sacrifice, right? Right up until the end. And, and we all know how it ends. He, he, doesn't ha- he lifts the knife and God says, stop. And he, at that point, showers him with blessing. And he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. If anyone can count the stars in the sky and the, the sand on the shore, they'll, they'll be able to count your descendants, right? I'm going to make you, uh, and through, many, uh, through you, many nations will be blessed, right? And he just showers them with blessings. And after the blessing shower, <laughs> he says, because I know that you will obey me, right? And... Um, and the fruit of Abraham's obedience was blessing and fellowship with God, right? Um, if you think about that three-day journey, and, he, and he, he actually didn't have to sacrifice Isaac at all, right? When did the worship happen? When did the sacrifice happen? It happened the whole time. From the time he said, get up and go, through the three-day journey, through the bringing his son up the mountain, the entire thing was a fragrant offering of obedience to the Lord, right? And, and, the, and the fruit of that was just blessing and fellowship and, and, and uh, just reconciliation, right, <laughs> with God. And then we have the opposite example of, of King Saul. Everyone, I won't go into great detail, but King Saul just flat out obeyed, said, I'm not going to obey. I'm not going to try to obey. I'm going to lie about obeying, right? <laughs> and what did it do? It drove a wedge between him and God, and he lost his kingship to Israel. And the opposite of that was that it drove a wedge between him and God, right, by his own choice, right? 
All right, so that, that's, a, that's a couple of cups of obedience put, sprinkled in there. We're going to go to our next ingredient for the per- perfect worship recipe is holiness. All right, it's tasting real good, right? This, this recipe is just tasting awesome. All right, holiness. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. (laughs) So you think it's an important ingredient? Yeah. (laughs) Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Actually, the word holy means to be set apart, to be consecrated, right? To be separated for God. And, and, And specifically, in this case, I mean separated from sin, right? Holiness, separated from sin. But it's important, right? Because that can be a heavy subject, right? It can put condemnation and guilt on us, right? But there is no condemnation in Christ, right? It's important to remember that we can't be holy on our own apart from Christ, right? He is our holiness. He is our righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? Yes. Um, One reason why sin separates us from God is because worship is completely relationship-based. Worship is our relationship with God, right? It's even affected by our relationship with each other, right? Even sin towards each other affects our relationship with God, right? Here's here's a couple of examples. Matthew 5.23 says, Therefore, If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Right? And notice what it says. It doesn't say if you remember that you have something against your brother. It says says if, if you're there and you remember your brother has something against you. Right? It's that important. It's that important. And, and, and the, that's why the word says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with every man. Right? So it, 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 right there, it, it affects our worship. If we have unforgiveness, malice, you name it, towards one of our brothers or sisters, that affects our relationship with God. Here's, here's another scripture that backs that up. James 3.9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can it? Right? Can, can a... Can a fig tree all of a sudden bear olives and a, a, a grapevine all of a sudden sprout figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Imagine doing that. Imagine taking a cup and going up to a spring and taking a dip and going, oh, wow, that one is fresh. I'm going to take another one. And then you take another swig and then it's full of salt, right? What, what, what I believe this scripture is saying is that, you know, it, it has to be one or the other, just like Pastor Burial says, Lord of all or not at all, right? I'll put it this way. If someone offends my kids, they offend me. I take on the offense, right? Because they have my name. They have my blood. They're mine, 
They belong to me. They're my kids. You mess with them, (laughs) you mess with me. And I can hear God saying that. They have my name. They're bought with my blood. They are my children. You mess with them, it's like you're trying to mess with me. You say something negative to them. I created them in my image. I created them, and you're saying there's a fault there. Right? That's, that's how our worship affect, right, right? Our worship is affected when we mistreat each other. Um, now, here's what I'm not saying. Oops, I messed up. I said a bad word. I called someone a bad name. I had a bad thought. My worship doesn't count. I'm not coming to church on Sunday. I am not. That's what I'm not saying, right? Because, again, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. All we have to do when we come and remember that our brother has something against us is say, God, forgive me. I want a pure and clean heart. And the next breath is worship to the Lord. Amen? But we, it's only through him. We have to go through him, right? The good news is that any worship offered through Jesus Christ is wholly acceptable and pleasing to God. Right? All right. My next, uh, my next ingredient, you guys enjoying the recipe so far? Yeah? <laughs> Lynn, is this as good as like your cake recipes? Yeah. All right, so um, the next ingredient, and this is like the special ingredient, right? Everyone has their own special ingredient that they put into the mix, and they're not going to tell you what it is, but I'm going to share it with you guys and with the recording, okay? It's service. Service. Special ingredient that puts this cake above the rest. In the Old Testament, the temple worship was service. As a matter of fact, it was all based around service and it was considered sacred. Not, not just anyone could do it. Not just anyone. Thank God not just anyone could set up the stage and the lights and the chairs, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank God we've been, we've been set free from that. But back then, it was, it was, it was uh, considered sacred. As a matter of fact, if someone else tried to help and touched one of the consecrated items, they died, right? You don't die if you stack chairs, so feel free to stick around and help after. Um, only, only the Levites could serve. Only, the, only those from the tribe of Levi, you know, that was the tribe that, uh, that Aaron, you know, the priest and Moses came from. Only they were allowed. It was, it, it was considered a privilege to serve. It was considered sacred. Like, look, I get to do this and you can't. Right? <laughs> and as a matter of fact, you had to become of a certain age before you could even serve as a Levite, right? Romans 12.1, going back to that again, where it says, living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the God, uh, this is your true and proper worship. That is translated, that true and proper worship is translated in a lot of other um, translations as this is your acceptable service. Or this is your reasonable service, right? So worship and service, one and the same to the Lord, right? Um, and Jesus said it best to Peter. He, he, you know, he asked him the question three times. Do you love me? Well, then take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Well, then serve my sheep. Do you love me? Well, take care of my people, right? If you love Jesus, you will serve each other, (laughs) 
right? We will serve each other. That includes me, <laughs> right? Serving is considered worship to God. He considers it worship. 2 Corinthians 9.12 says, This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions to thanks to God. Many expressions of thanks to God. So as we serve each other, he, he counts it as worship. It's also overflowing to worship to him. Hebrews 13 15 says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God, right? Don't forget to share and do good. And these are the sacrifices that please God. That's why we have serve in our mission statement. Know, grow, serve, and go, right? And, and in our, um, uh, in our, in our uh, core values, love does. People matter. Give generously, right? Giving is part of serving. As you give, it serves one another, and that's why also you will hear it said a lot from the, uh, uh, Abby said it this morning, we're going to continue with our worship and give to the Lord, right? We can, the Lord considers that worship. The people that are serving our kids right now, that are teaching our kids, Mike, I have three of them. <laughs> the people that are serving our kids are worshiping the Lord right now, right? The people who set up the coffee and the water, Right? Casey would love to hear from you if you want to worship the Lord by serving people coffee and water. <laughs> that is worship to the Lord. Just like the, how the Levites came and set up the temple and set it up so that, they, so, so that they could be ready to receive people to worship. Right? It's still considered a privilege. It's still considered worship. Right? And I don't say, I don't I don't just say this because we need volunteers. <laughs> we do, but I'm not, I'm not saying that because we need volunteers. I'm saying it because Jesus said, if you love me, you will serve each other. And we want to be a church that worships Jesus by serving one another, don't we? Right. So let me just encourage you as your worship leader, right, as one of the leaders here, if you haven't found that place to serve yet, again, it's not because we need, we don't actually, you'll hear us say we don't need volunteers. We just need people to be obedient to what the Lord is calling them and asking them where they're asking them to serve. He's given each of us a gift, a talent, a desire. He's given us the desires of our heart, right? He, gave, he, he placed a desire in me for music, and I use that to serve. I use that to serve him. I use it to serve the, the body right? He's given you that same desire. We don't need volunteers. We need worshipers, right? This is, this is surprising me because I was like going through these, these three pages of infinite, no, infinite notes that I had, and I was wondering if I was going to have enough time. <laughs> and, and it's like, we're doing pretty good on time. <laughs> I guess that's a good thing, right? Lunch early, right? <laughs> 
That sacrifice part was making me hungry. The you know the carne asada, right? <laughs> Too bad they couldn't eat pig back then. You know, <laughs> we've been set free though, right? <laughs> right? Bacon, pork, sausage, bacon, ham, bacon, right? We've been set free by the blood of the lamb. Yes. <laughs> All right. So our next, our next ingredient is faithfulness, okay? And God, God knows our motives in everything we do, right? Including worship, just like Cain and Abel, remember? Psalm 139, one through four says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways, Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. So he he doesn't there's no hiding our motives, our thoughts. He knows what they are, right? Um when it comes to knowing thoughts, Jesus knew the Pharisees pretty well, right? (laughs) And 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 they were supposed to be the leaders of Israel, right? But he was telling them that everything you're doing is just for show. It's not for me, it's for you, right? And so that's why he would call them out. And Jesus used the verse uh, Isaiah 29, 13, when he was speaking to them one day, he said, you know, Isaiah was right when he said, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. And so, so, so here, it, it, it's, imp- it's, it's obvious that God, God looks at our faithfulness towards him, right? That, that we can't just go through the motions of it, but, but it comes out of living a life of faithfulness. And a, a really good example of this, and I'm going to bust out my paper Bible right here for that. <laughs> I'm using real paper up here. Did you notice that? Yeah. My iPhone is still up there by the keyboard because it has to play some music later. Um, Amos 5, 21. Now, this is a pretty heavy verse, okay? But I'm, I'm going to read through it, and then I'm going to explain some things about it, okay? It says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. So here's an example here where people were, the people of Israel were bringing an offering to the Lord, but he couldn't accept his worship, right? Um, Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, right? Now, uh, can we switch to the next one here? Yeah. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you have made for yourselves. Right? So there's the explanation. God, God knew that they were unfaithful. This is an example of Israel trying to offer insincere worship to God by un- unfaithful people. They would worship images and things that they made for themselves, right? 
And then when the festival to worship, you know, Yahweh came along, oh, okay, well, now we got to switch gears and sing songs to him and offer offerings to him. And God was just basically saying, okay, I mean, this sounds so harsh, right? But God was basically saying, well, I can't call this worship because it's not, right? That's all he, that's all he was saying was that it's not for me. It's, it's for you. It's pretty much just noise, right? And um, it kind of reminds me of Paul when he wrote, if I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, right? He, he was saying everything that he says and did, and Paul said and did a lot for the kingdom of God, right? Can we all agree on that? He's basically saying, basically everything that I say and do doesn't even count if I don't have the love and the heart behind it. I'm just a resounding gong or a loud clanging cymbal, right? See, they were calling out that the drum set was too loud back then, too. Right? <laughs> we, as a matter of fact, you see this drum set right here. These, these, these guys over here, these are called crash cymbals. They actually are called crash cymbals. And Paul says, I'm like a loud, uh, 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 like a clanging, crashing cymbal. If, if one of these crash cymbals, if, if one of these stands were to fall over, it would make a loud clang, a loud crash, right? Would it be worship to the Lord? No, it's just a sound. But if Andrew sits behind that drum set and hits that cymbal, and it makes the same sound. It is a pleasing, fragrant music to my ears, offering to the Lord. Right? Because of the heart behind it. And let, you know what? Let me, let me just take a minute, too. Uh, let me just take a minute while I'm talking about Andrew. <laughs> Can I brag on my worship team for a minute? <laughs> They, and I'm not just saying that, I'm, let me exclude myself from the team for a minute, and from the outside looking in, let me just say that they are one of the most faithful group of people that I've ever met in my whole life, and they serve selflessly. They put in hours and hours of time. We practice for, again, this is apart from me, we practice, you know, four hours each week just with each other. That doesn't even count what they're doing at home and preparing, right? And, 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 and we have standards on the worship team. Is that, is that okay to say? We have standards. We don't, we're not looking for musicians. You, you, you can play well, but that doesn't mean you can play on the worship team. We, each of our team members is expected to be in the Word. Um, when we gather together during our practice, we, ha- we, we have a devotional, and we ask, what was, what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you this week through the Word? And um, everyone up here is up here because they want to serve. There's, there's nothing in this group of our worship team that is up here for self-indulgence. And so I just want to thank our worship team, right, for, for being so faithful. It's such a pleasure to be able to serve with a group of people like that. Um, so 
we're coming up on our last ingredient here, okay? I'm going to take a drink because my throat is getting dry. But <laughs> you guys enjoying the recipe so far? All right. <laughs> About to put this thing in the oven. All right. <laughs> uh, the final ingredient, and this is the icing on the cake, okay? This is the icing, the decorations, uh, when my daughter Izzy was turning five, we asked her what kind of a cake you want for your birthday. She said, I want a mermaid riding on a shark on the top of that cake. <laughs> said, okay, you're five. We'll make it happen. All right. <laughs> but this, this is the, and we made it happen. Little Mermaid was riding a shark. <laughs> this is the icing on the cake, the decorations. The last ingredient is expression. After we have all the rest, we express our worship to the Lord, right? This is the singing, this is the clapping, this is the kneeling, the bowing down, lifting up our hands, shouting. Deb was shouting earlier, <laughs> right? Um, this is the dancing, this is the, the taking a posture of reverence, right? Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, What's, that means what's inside of you comes out of you, right? And if you have all the other ingredients, right, you will not able to help but express your worship when we gather together, right? Express your worship anytime. I do it in the car a lot, okay? I express my worship in the car. I express my worship here, okay? <laughs> you will not be able to help but express your worship, right? If you are covered under the blood of salvation and you are walking as a living sacrifice, walking in obedience to the Lord, covered under, under his holiness, his righteousness, doing your best to be a living sacrifice, separating yourself from sin, serving each other faithfully, right? That's the kind of worship that sends the enemy running out of here with his tail between his legs because he has no room to work in that kind of worship. He's scared to death of that kind of worship. And when a full body of believers gathers together, right, full body of believers gathers together like we do, and we have salvation. We are living sacrifices. We're walking in obedience to the Lord, living in holiness, serving each other, being faithful to the one true God, right? When we worship together on Sunday morning, that is earth-shaking, heaven-shaking worship. That's where we start to see miracles happen, right? We start seeing lives healed. We start seeing lives restored, marriages reconciled, Addictions broken, miracles taking place, right? Cancer disappearing, or better yet, just blowing up, right? Just blowing up like a bomb. That is the kind of worship that the enemy is scared to death of, right? And worship is a weapon. It's one of the weapons of our warfare, right? If, if you have fear and doubt in your heart, you don't have to wait until you get to church to sing about it. You can sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God, right? I'm no longer a slave to fear. And you just keep singing it. <laughs> Worship is a weapon, right? If you feel like you're waiting on an answer for prayer and you feel like you're not getting any answer, doesn't matter what I feel, doesn't matter what I see, 
My hope will always be your promises to me. Right? You can sing that. And you don't have to wait till you get here. (laughs) Right? If you feel like you're going through a trial all alone, no one's on your side, no one's got your back. Our God is the lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles, right? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Amen? Right? If worship is a weapon of our warfare, we cannot afford to be spectators when it comes to expressing our worship. If we believe that worship is a weapon, that it moves heaven and earth, that we ever, if we bind on earth is bound in heaven, if we believe that and the prayers of a righteous man have power, then what do the prayers of a righteous church singing in unity with one voice to our God together have, right? We can't afford to be spectators when it comes to worship. In fact, the word instructs us to express our worship, all right? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, and if that wasn't finite enough, it says praise the Lord. (laughs) Let some people who feel like it that day praise the Lord. Let those that didn't have a bad morning praise the Lord. (laughs) No, let everything that has breath, who has breath in this place, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Not please praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, right? Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth, right? Psalm 98, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music, right? All the earth. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Let some creatures Praise his name, right? (laughs) Let the creatures who aren't going through a difficult time praise the Lord. No, let every creature praise the Lord forever and ever. Praise him with a tambourine and dance. I saw a tambourine player come in today. Just met, if you haven't met him, he's in the back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there he is. <laughs> Praise him with a tambourine and dancing. And by the way, all of these are coming from the Lord, and they are perfectly acceptable ways to worship him, right? Come let us worship and bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. Psalm 134.2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. (laughs) There it is. You have permission from the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord, right? And then there's this one. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, right? And we do that. We have songs that fulfill that, that, that specific way of of worshiping, speaking to one another. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. That's us speaking to each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? In Psalm 66, 2 says, sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. Whose job is it to make his praise glorious? 
It's ours. We make his praise glorious. Amen? All right. So I'm going to call the worship team up. Guess what we get to do right now? <laughs> Let's stand together. We get to make his praise glorious. Amen? <laughs> now, I, just, I feel like someone... Um, well, let, let, me, let me say this, and then, we'll, and then we'll worship. Here's an encouragement from me, your worship leader, to you. Let's resolve as a church, Thrive Church, never to make worship an obligation or a duty. It is a privilege. It's a privilege that the Lord would ask us to make his praise glorious. Amen? Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. I feel like someone in here has a closing prayer for us, that this was burning in, in your heart, and you want to close the service out with prayer before we worship. Who, who is that person? If that's you, come on up. Close us out in prayer, and then we'll worship. Yeah. I did. I have something burning in my heart. <laughs> Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your grace. And we boast because you have made it possible. Because you are God. Our boast is not in anything that we do, but we boast in the sacrifice that you had on the cross. We boast because of your name that died for us. Because of, we boast because of your blood that was shed for our lives. That we are free. We are whole that we get to participate in this, in this union, in this relationship. We get to come and feast at your table. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Let's lift up our hands. Let's give him praise. We worship your holy name in this place. Let's give him praise. The name of Jesus.